Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Adam Blomberg. Hello. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm yeah? F- I, yeah, I'm fine. Good. That's, that's good to hear that you are just fine. Um, we've got a packed show. It's a long old show today. So uh, let's dive straight into that. It's talking about another uh, release slash furloughed WWE star in the AEW NXT ratings and your mailbag questions. Here is the show. off with a note from the observer that came out uh, yesterday that has said that nigel mcginnis uh, has uh, been furloughed by wwe so apparently there was a report when they had black wednesday and they released or furloughed uh, reportedly 40 percent of their staff some of the names weren't officially announced and we've had a few of those names been revealed over time. And it turns out one of those names is Nigel McGuinness. Meltzer writes, the reason why McGuinness hasn't been around is he was one of the people furloughed during all the cuts. It's ironic since he's one of the best analysts out of all of them. Although Samoa Joe's delivery is superior. Is that ironic? <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I don't. That, that seems like it's ironic in the sense that Alanis Morissette uh, mm. doesn't quite understand what irony is. Yeah. Um, I think what he was trying to say was he's good and they shouldn't have furloughed him. It's kind of like just it's just bad judgment, really. It's yeah. not <laughs> the irony. It's just bad t- a combination of bad taste and bad luck, I guess. Yeah. Which so, yeah. is, you know, having you know a thousand spoons and only needing a knife or whatever. Uh to quote uh oh man, what's the Irish comedian who's got the amazing routine about that? Ed Oh, Leslie, man. no, <laughs> yes, Ed Leslie. Ed uh, Byrne is who you're thinking Ed, of. Ed Byrne, thank you very much. Who has ten thousand spoons collectively? Out of all of us, we don't have ten thousand spoons between us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so it, 
it kind of sucks for for Nigel McGuinness. Um, but the 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 one sort of bright side I suppose to take from this is that uh, the sort of the furloughed staff that have included people like Shane Helms and some of the backstage uh, producers are thought to have been like they will be brought back once all of this is done and dusted. Yeah, uh, that's that's the thing about yeah. It, it's it's always difficult to kind of tell what furloughing means uh just because uh at the at the like obviously you can be furloughed like we have a furloughing scheme in the uk currently uh, a lot of people have been sort of sent home and uh a portion of their salary is being paid by uh by the state by the government and unfortunately like as time has gone on because that scheme is supposed to only last for a little bit some people who are being furloughed are now being let go just because like the scheme has had to be changed so it's difficult to tell like at what stage does a furloughing become a dismissal so obviously like when black wednesday happened a lot of people were released and a lot of people were furloughed and it seemed like on the production side of things like producers and agents and stuff like that was more furloughing but talent was released so it's just like well what so does that mean released talent might come back you just because they're independent contractors you can't call them furloughed what like how permanent is all of this uh it's difficult to kind of wrap your head around but it's very sad uh like nigel's nigel is great um it's it's just, yeah i'm i'm gutted not to hear. i I, I thought it was there was something like i was missing on nxt and um i was like oh yeah um, I don't watch a lot of NXT UK. I just assumed he was over there. <laughs> Didn't know he was gone. Let's be honest, no one watches that show. Um, um, but yeah, it's. It, it, I think that what we've learned since the since Black Wednesday is that the American furlough scheme is very different to our one uh, here in the UK. Um, so it, we don't really kind of know what the status is of Nigel. But I think to let Nigel go. It is a massive, massive error because he is really good on commentary. Like he was an incredible wrestler. We were talking just before we came on air. Um, you know, his amazing work in ROH. You weren't the biggest watcher of TNA, so I was kind of reliving some of the great TNA uh, I'm memories. A hu- I'm a huge Desmond Wolf fan. <laughs> I remember like he came in, had like, these amazing matches, but unfortunately Eric Bischoff came in and just decided that he wasn't good enough, so he was going to kind of curtail his push. You literally just said verbatim words. (laughs) So, I mean, so you'll then remember what happened after that, right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't like to talk about it because it's it's still so fresh, what with all this painful news I'm hearing. Uh, The only reason I bring it up because it's one of my favorite lol TNA uh, moments is when Bischoff and Hogan came in, they wanted to have um, this uh, a ranking system effectively that like it's sort of AEW have got now but it was all done on fan voting and it oh, was done on, like, and it was done through like go daddy polls and so like at the time they were really pushing abyss so they wanted abyss to keep winning this poll but desmond wolf kept winning the poll because <laughs> <laughs> everyone loved nigel mcginnis because nigel was so good he came in granted the name desmond wolf is rubbish but he came in and was great had a great match with cad angle then Bischoff and Hogan decided he was rubbish, stopped his push. And then, yeah, he kept winning the poll. And if you won the poll, you got a shot at the champion. And so N- Nigel kept winning. So they just booked him against the champion to lose in like two minutes. But he still kept winning the poll. In the end, they were like, well, we'll just scrap the poll then. Oh, God, that's not the right answer. That's not what you take from that. Mm, this poll must be broken. <laughs> no, it's the poll that is wrong. <laughs> um 
Yeah, but I, I think like Nigel has been so good on commentary for NXT. I think him and him and Morrow are my favorite commentary duo in wrestling at the moment. Like outside of like Kevin Kelly and Don Callis, I love over in New Japan. Um, but um, at least when they were working together in New Japan. But uh, yeah, in sort of North America, I love Morrow and Nigel. Yeah, they are like yeah, that is sort of like the the purest distillation of of NXT. They both. It's like it's, it's weird. They both have the. It's weird to see an announced team which is made up of people who are half and half color and half and half um, like play by play. Because mm. Marrow is play by play, but provides easily the most emotion out of anyone watching it. <laughs> uh, and same with Nigel. Like whenever he gets really high pitched, I can't do a Nigel McGuinness impression. But oh, you're so good at your impressions. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I haven't yet to hear back from Dean Ambrose on what he thought. <laughs> At least you avoided a Becky Lynch one in uh, your most recent fantasy book. I really almost, I almost went for it, but then I just remembered that the OSW boys would drag me into a car park and beat the <laughs> shit out of me. Oh, I've, I've sworn again. And I swear I'm now, mate, again. I've got to do an edit now. I've sworn. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's oh, so man. early, Luke. You make you come to work an hour early to do this stuff. You have to. You make me wake up at nine a.m. Sorry, to record mate. this for the people. That's Sorry, what you mate. get. That's what you I, get. A little bit of extra work. I was up two hours before that getting this show ready, mate. <laughs> I know. I'm coddled. <laughs> I, I had to write a booking. I just had five days off in a row because it was my holiday. Uh, but the other thing to talk about sort of that came out of The Observer this week is sort of an update on um, some of the other names that had been released, i.e. Uh, Kurt Angle, because Kurt Angle was on this week's NXT as part of the uh, was it the pit fight match, wasn't it, between yeah. Riddle and Thatcher? He was sort of on NXT, I guess. Yeah. Technically, he, he was there. Um, there are some amazing photos of him on uh, on NXT. Actually, I think I might have one in this StreamYard back end. Oh. Um, it's it's because you know how Kurt Angle sort of got his Kurt Angle face, mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like <laughs> little bit. But there's a brilliant picture. I don't know if you'll be able to see it with this um, resolution, but do you see Kurt's face there <laughs> watching the floating bro. That's amazing. Uh, amazing. Obviously, like I I'm jesting because Kurt Angle is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, if not my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, but yeah, he was basically there to pop a rating and did nothing, which is actually fine. I like I'm I'm sort of glad they didn't do the kind of random hotshot swerve. You know, Shawn Michaels turns up, so obviously he has to super kick someone, and you know do some dodgy officiating <laughs> just there held timothy thatcher's teeth and then called it right down the middle it was fine uh, so according to Meltzer, uh, he says, we've not had anything regarding Angle and a new deal. It was noted to us that Angle is still being paid through mid-July like the rest of the people on the main roster contracts that were released. The company will use talent if they have an idea for them, such as Drake Maverick in the Cruiserweight tournament. And it would make no sense to let him go after this recent push and had planned to use Sarah Logan at one point. So Sarah Logan, and you know, our sources have said this as well, she was backstage. After Black Wednesday, she was backstage at Raw that following Monday with mm -hmm. plans to for her to be used. My theory is because news got out, they just they cancelled those plans because WWE have been known to do that in the past. Um so yeah, so that so apparently Angle isn't or looking like he's not going to be re-signing. Neither is Sarah Logan. According to Meltzer in the Observer, her and Ray Rowe have um, just bought loads of land 
um, buy their house and are looking to uh, become self-sufficient and grow all of their own food and veg and stuff, um, which is lovely. And she's training for MMA fights. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. they're gonna do they're gonna be they're gonna do the good life. They're gonna be the good life, right? That's really sweet. Yeah. For for our American fans, the good life is a treasured uh British sitcom about people who do exactly that. A guy who kind of finds himself in a dead end marketing job, no no joy. So they both decide to quit their jobs, turn their back garden into a uh kind of a huge plot of like uh an allotment basically, and just sort of live off that and become is it freegans? Is uh, that yes. the term? And become the ire of their posh next door neighbours who aren't living the good life. They're living the rich life. Yeah, Margot and... Um, what's his name? I think the one I can remember was Margot, annoyingly. It was Margot and... Well, she because her, well, her catchphrase was always his name. It was... Richard. Did, did, Richard or Dennis? Hang on, goddamn. Yeah. I'm looking this up. Uh, good life. 1975 TV show. Car. Good life. Margot. Uh, is it Jerry? Jerry. Jerry, Jerry Ledbetter. Jerry Ledbetter and Margot Ledbetter. Yeah. Oh, so good. 1975. That's... What a show that was way ahead. That was in the time. 70s? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I used to I... love that show. Yeah, I watched because uh, they did a they did a load of reruns of it in the nineties, which is when I saw it. So I saw it in like the the BBC went through a mass uh, period in the nineties of just rerunning all of their seventies sitcoms all mm. the time, um, and that's 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 where I saw it. God, the British sitcom legacy. Like we're not producing much of anything uh, these days, but like hey, Dad... not going out. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I forgot about Lee Mack. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> Um, the good life is basically what my brother's doing now as well. Bless his heart. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. My brother is like a fully self-sufficient kind of guy. He's a great. Oh. He's a great man. <laughs> and here you are, <laughs> and here I am, <laughs> making an ass of myself on YouTube. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, on the subject of Drake Maverick, we had a, a mailbag question in from Austin, who said, "I know it's a hot topic." Uh, about the Drake Maverick angle on if it's a work or a shoot. People, including myself, think it would be in bad taste to make a storyline out of it if it is a work. But what if originally they were going to fire Drake Maverick, saw the momentum he gained on social media, and saw the fire and passion he showed and changed their minds? What would be the right way to bring him back if that is the case? Just announce that we've reinstated him or make it a worked angle like some people think they may be doing now? I think, uh, well, I I think you've got a kind of a taste question and a narrative question there because I think they do rub up against each other. Uh, I kind of just want to say I, I I kind of take contention with the idea that Drake showed the most passion uh, out of everyone who got released. Um, I, I understand why people view it that way because he was genuinely emotional and it was easily the most retweetable thing uh, out of coming out of Black Wednesday because... Well, yeah, it's it's human suffering at its most raw. That connects to people. Uh, some people didn't do that, uh, but were obviously still devastated, uh, but just wanted to go about it a different way. And you know, I don't necessarily think that Drake's handling it was better. It was just more. It was easier for WWE to use. That being said, um, I, I think like it, it's the best stuff on NXT. 
like right now for me at least like the triple threat match he ha uh, they had to decide who was going to win the the block between Kushida Jake Atlas and Drake Maverick was amazing uh and he's such a good baby face like me and Pete talk about this on the latest NXT uh podcast review uh he's yeah such a pure humble like good guy and mm. there's a few good guy baby faces like that have no kind of cynical edge or terrible stand-up shtick but he's just he's just good he's just trying to do the right thing um uh and i i hope he does win uh i got a feeling he won't because i think el hio del fantasma has got a heel turn coming um but if he does win yeah i hope they they announce that they've re-signed him and just try and put the kind of dark storm cloud of tastelessness that kind of hangs over drake maverick to to bed and just kind of hope that people move on which is i'm sure they will because ultimately happy for drake maverick i guess um it's just yeah i don't want them to do it, it's been fun but i don't what i don't want them to do is like drake you've got the championship but next time you lose it you're out so every yeah. single defense he's like i've got to do it for I, I, like because that shtick will get old fast i hope they just re-sign him and then like his popularity continues and he has a nice happy long career with the company and then everyone else who was released finds better work elsewhere yeah just move on it's the tory government advice um yeah the reason why i wanted to bring up the drake maverick thing because it was very interesting looking at the ratings for this week Meltzer kind of teased this before he released the observer was that there was a really interesting note from the ratings between nxt and aew in that one of the matches on nxt drew over seven hundred thousand viewers and it wasn't the main event between matt riddle and timothy thatcher and in fact it was the drake maverick match nxt opened with seven hundred and seventy-one thousand viewers 252,000 in the 18 to 49 demographic for maverick versus kushida versus atlas that was their highest point of the whole show because they ended the night with 731,000 viewers as a, an average overall and i think they sort of dipped below 700 I think it was like 650 or something for the main event so maverick as it would seem and the storyline is something of a draw and if you are someone who is looking at ratings to be a you know is this a way to determine if someone is over or not then you've probably got to make a good case for for maverick here getting his job back yeah human suffering's over like yeah. people people <laughs> really dig it it's, it's good telly <laughs> Um, and actually, do you know what? I mean, it's been a really bad, bad few weeks uh, uh, for, for news, not just in the wrestling world, but sort of all over the world, uh, really. Yeah. Uh, apart from New Zealand, who are doing very well at the moment, um, which is, uh, but the some, some good news, some, some brightness here is that the Wednesday Night Rating Wars were excellent this week with both AEW and NXT up massively. Uh, Double or Nothing, or coming off the back of Double or Nothing, AEW Dynamite had 827,000 viewers. That's up 18% from last week. It's the highest total viewership since March 18th. So really, really good uh, news for those. Some people are putting that down to the Mike Tyson thing. Some people are putting that down to just the really big success of Double or Nothing because it would seem as well, going by early indicators, the pay-per-view did really well as well. Like oh, even, great. even in the sort of like uncertain times, the pay-per-view did more or less the same numbers as Double or Nothing did last year. Oh, fantastic. Well, that yeah, that's that's only good news. 
Exactly, yeah. Uh, and they were up uh, 23% in the uh, 18 to 49 demographic as well with a 0.32. And NXT was also up 23.5% from last week with that 731,000 viewers. Uh, and their, uh, uh, the 18 to 49 was up nearly 50%, 46.2%, averaging a 0.19 rating. It's a combined audience of 1.5 million viewers, the highest since March 4th, and is only 200,000 off what Raw did on Monday. Do you think it's something similar to be like, because obviously like no fans wrestling is not what we consider wrestling to be. Like wrestling is by its nature a crowd sport and that's what makes it so much fun. Do you think it's just like people are, because obviously like everyone's a, a, you know, love of wrestling has has dipped slightly and you've seen that with the plummeting ratings uh generally speaking especially for more casual fans people don't want to watch uh wrestling in front of empty seats do you think people are just kind of like they're missing wrestling and they're, and they're just kind of coming back around do you think this is an upward trend or do you think this is a spike based on just double or nothing increasing everyone's awareness of like kind of the more hardcore uh aspect of the wrestling fandom well, it was also so NASCAR last week had a bit of an impact on uh, both NXT and AEW, more so NXT. But there was no NASCAR this week, which is why Melter thinks that the ratings might have been up for both shows, as well as the post double or nothing um, side uh... of things. So it could be, well, you know, we'll sort of see next week. But I really do hope that this is an upward trend again uh, and people are sort of coming back to it. We are, you know, here in the UK, we're getting sports back very soon. Um, football is coming home. Um, and so maybe people will be able to, once they get their sports back, be able to get back into watching wrestling, even with no fans. Um, particularly if you're going to watch football with no fans, maybe, yeah, maybe you'll just sort of come around to the idea of it. Yeah. It's, I, it's football with no fans. It's going to be like, I, I do get it because you don't like see the fans all the time, but it's just going to be, it, it will be even starker of just what football is. Just like, it's gonna, there it goes. It's oh. going to be like doing a magazine show with you bleeping swears all the time. And uh, just because like they're, they're filthy mouth little buggers, those football players. <laughs> you can really hear them biting each other without the fan, <laughs> can't you? Um, before we get into the mailbag as well, I did want to point out, I do think my brother is a great man. It sounded like I was being a bit sarcastic when I said that he is awesome. I believed you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make it very clear. My brother's amazing. <laughs> Really great guy. What a great guy. Sipping my coffee in the morning. <laughs> anyway. At uh, no point did I think you would be sarcastic. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, self-sufficiency in this world is a, is a beautiful thing. It really like is. The, the, po the polar opposite of YouTube in terms of, in terms of contributing to the planet. <laughs> My brother is a hero among men. He once uh, bought a, a cabin in the woods, effectively, that was basically derelict. And him, him and his girlfriend at the time, this was when they were living in Sweden, um, just built it from scratch, like just rebuilt the whole thing from scratch. And the whole thing was completely self-sufficient. There was uh, everything was solar powered. And uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Absolutely wonderful little place. Shame yeah. me from it. Um, my uh, my older sister is uh, a a mother of two with a third on the way and a primary school teacher. So sure, sure, like makes me feel bad. <laughs> Here I am saying how WWE should have booked Becky Lynch versus Ronda <laughs> Rousey. Oh, I shouldn't have had Charlotte in there. Making a difference. 
really making that difference. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, on to the mailbag. If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become, well, become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community tab labeled mailbag. Do not email me. I will just lose it. Ali Atta is in first to say, hello, guys. Hope you're doing well and safe. I just watched the Firefly Funhouse match for the seventh time since it aired on WrestleMania. What match do you guys watch again and again when you're bored and there's nothing else to watch? Stay safe and keep up the great work. I think of all the matches I've watched, I think the match I've I've watched the most, it's a combination. Like I've I, I watch Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan a lot. I love it so much, uh, especially that one moment. I think everyone knows which moment I'm talking about. Uh, just when the referee goes down, he hoofs uh, Brock and the knackers, and then goes for the running knee and gets that because no one does. Uh, a, a near fall better than Brock Lesnar. He's so mm. good. At, um, he's such a good wrestler. Uh, but yeah, that in terms of like like classic matches, I think I've watched most over the years. <laughs> Probably makes me sound a little bad. Well, maybe not. But it's Vince versus Shane. 
at WrestleMania. From WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That match is great, though. Like, that mm. is like that is pure sports entertainment. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think wonderful. it's the... It's the match I've shown to people most to kind of show them what wrestling is. Um, I, I remember talking about this with Kenny years and years back at What Culture, uh, and like sort of like what is what are the best matches to show someone to try and get them into the hobby because it shouldn't like depending on what they are, like TLC too maybe do it if they really like stunt work. But generally speaking, like you're not going to get someone into wrestling. I think making them watch Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker um but it's like something like vince versus shane father versus son with drugged up mum in the corner <laughs> like it's very it's, it's a tale as old as time it's real yeah. pain and able <laughs> cuddly mcfoley as a referee yeah um i think i think that just again like i it, it maybe it's less like watching whole matches but there are just moments i've just become obsessed with uh and fan reactions generally like that's what i love about wrestling uh, it's like specific moments that get over with the fans, why they get over the fans, the psychology behind that. And just, yeah, hearing the pop for Linda when she stands from her chair is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, like, it's addictive to hear. Like, it's really, really great. Uh, same with like the Backlash 2000 when Stone Cold's music hits, just like perfect little explosions of noise and kind of going back to them over and over again. Probably that yeah. much. What about you? Uh, I think the, the Triangle Ladder match from WrestleMania 2000s is a match that I've watched countless times over the years. And then, you know, the WrestleMania X7 follow-up, even though it's not the best match on the show, because that's the hardcore triple threat, obviously. Um, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another match I've watched so many times. Because like, me and my mates used to watch it a lot. Like, when we had it on VHS, we watched that match a lot because it's so funny. And it's just, it, it's a tremendous little match. And then you would fast forward and watch the uh, the triangle ladder match, uh, the TLC match. So yeah, so I think like from that sort of period of time, anything that's got the Hardys, the Dudleys and Edge and Christian in, I'm more than likely going to rewatch it a lot. Mm. Oh, Rumbles, um, actually. I've watched, I've pre-watched yeah. watched every Rumble like upward, like almost 10 times yeah, because yeah. they're perfect to put on when you're cooking. You yeah, just, totally. Like, whack it on. Just, you know exactly what's happening because you've seen it all before, but just like little things that you don't remember, just perfect uh on that note as well actually before we uh move on with the next mailbag question uh aew review yesterday uh ollie and i have made the executive decision to we're gonna we're gonna try our own version of f kenny essentially uh by renaming him kenny kenny after his favorite wrestler <laughs> well I look forward to never having him back on Quizlemania, i guess <laughs> thanks kenny thanks for sharing out me <laughs> Kenny Kenny, please. Hello. Um, <laughs> Turner said, uh, hi, guys. Question. How long do you think NXT? Uh, I said Chuck Turner, yeah. Question. How long do you think um, Karrion Cross will be in NXT once Vince gets a look at Scarlet Bordeaux? Yeah, it does kind of feel like <laughs> we feel like certainly Scarlet stays down there and numbered. Uh, I show yeah, she did a thing on NXT where she basically just uh, showed up at ringside and just looked at Champa and it's just like, oh, Gosh, she's 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 compelling, is, <laughs> is Scarlett. Uh, I yeah, I, I really hope that I, I think a combination of things are gonna hotshot carry and cross to the NXT championship for sure. I think uh, Scarlett is one of them. I think she really, really adds something to just the general package, the general mm -hmm. um presentation of him. But Lip like he's got like they, there's less lip syncing than there was like the, she's done a they've done an entrance since and um she doesn't lip sync the first bit of the song she does fall and pray 
<laughs> uh, which is amazing. Uh, which is not me. She like that. She's great. I loved the entrance, but she used to lip sync the whole thing, and I preferred that because it was different. It was weird, and I I think maybe people were like, oh, I didn't like like that, so they kind of hastily changed it. Shame. Bring it back. Listen to me. And I think yeah, that general the he's got best entrance in wrestling currently. Uh, an amazingly kind of beautiful uh, and uh, very talented facially uh, manager. Uh, yeah, he'll be NXT champion within the year for sure, uh, and then probably lose it after like two attempts because yeah, Vince will want him on on Raw. And uh, he'll do fine. Dylan from Cork says, um, not too long after this pandemic began, Ashley and I were putting together a bucket list of cities we would like to visit and things we would like to do that we've never done before. Uh, the current situation around the world has made us realize how short life really is. We want to make the most of it when things are back up and running. Some of those cities include Tokyo, Toronto, Edinburgh, Madrid, Milan, and London the last time. Uh, the last I have a specific reason for wanting to visit, and that is to meet you in person. We've included activities as big as being going to the Champions League final or running a marathon to as small as going to different restaurants in Cork on a Saturday night for dinner and seeing what uh, which one we've most enjoyed. What are some of the activities you guys are most looking forward to doing post Carino and what places would you like to visit? Cork's a hidden gem of a city just saying. <laughs> um, so of the thing I'm missing the most the most the most is board game night. So like I because it's just it's, who I am board games are my favorite thing. They way outpace wrestling. Uh, so I love board games so much. Uh, and yeah, it feels weird to say that once everything is lifted, the thing I'm most looking forward to is staying in. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to have my friends over and play. There's like, there's so many games that we're in the middle of, like, uh, like legacy games, campaign games. Uh, and there's just games that I haven't been able to play just because they don't quite work online. Like, and that's, that's how I enjoy socializing with my friends is getting everyone together everyone having a few beers some some pizza and then just just playing for hours on end like social deduction like strategy everyone kind of doing funny voices getting really into it having like a thematic soundtrack on in the background like that is my idea of a perfect night and i i miss it so i haven't had a board game night since february hmm. uh which wow. is the longest i've ever gone uh and it's i I, I'm climbing the walls. I keep buying board games, Luke, and I can't <laughs> play them. I bought a board game and it arrived yesterday, which is um, there's a game called The Crew. Have you heard mm. of that? It's I haven't been, heard of the name. Yeah, it's been nominated for the Kenner Spiel uh, this mm. year, uh, which for those who don't know, a Spiel des Jahres are basically the Oscars of the board game world. And there's like, you've got Best Picture, which is Spiel des Jahres game of the year. And you've got the Kenner Spiel, which is basically a board gamer's board game. So like something that's a bit more involved, a bit more hobby, but still great. And yeah, it's like a, it's like a competitive trick-taking game set in space. And I know that's not selling it, but I'm really excited <laughs> and I can't <laughs> play it. And the pub, of course, I would like yes. to go to the pub. Yeah, but I mean, I I said this yesterday on Twitter, but like the the intro to uh, the Rest Talk podcast show on the Fight Network here in the UK really has made me miss hanging out with like everyone from the team and just being in the office together and yeah, just seeing my friends and going on the pub and just jetting the breeze. It's very nice doing it over Zoom and whatnot, but yeah, I just I miss actual interaction. I miss being able to talk over someone else and for it not to cause an error in the connection. 
that's what i miss because it's uh, so weird like everyone's everyone's way of talking to each other has changed like oh oh I, luke is talking i need to i need to be quiet otherwise it will literally ruin the feed it's so weird like this uh, conversation's different now flaming clive said maybe i'm overthinking this but who will betray kevin owens HBK put Marty Jannetty into the window. Chris Jericho put HBK into a TV monitor. Kevin Owens put Chris Jericho into a TV monitor. So with this chain, Kevin Owens is going to go into some glass. Who will it be? <laughs> um, well, who's he? Um, who's he I feeding mean, it, with? No one. He's, he's doing nothing at the moment on Raw. I was saying, who was he allied with? It was Samoa Joe. That would have been quite fun i just like the idea that kevin owens can never be betrayed he's always the betrayer like he can't not it's in his it's in his dna he has to be the person to break up friendships because he doesn't know how to deal with them on an emotional level <laughs> uh so he's just yeah I, oh i'm getting a little too close i'm relying on someone i can't deal with that i better break their spine on the on the ring uh, our next couple of messages were left um, sort of in the wake of uh, the Shad Gaspard and, and Hanukkah Mora stuff. So because, you know, our messaging system, you know, it's a week between each show um, just to forewarn anyone. Um, but Andrew uh, said this comes in just after the learning of the passing of Hanukkah Mora. I'm heartbreaking, so bear with me. Suicide and depression are real. You don't know what others are going through. Don't attack people online. Just because you hide behind the screens doesn't mean your words mean less. I've been struggling with this for years. My best friend ended his own life in our junior year of high school. Ashley Mazzaro was a co-worker at my radio station. I'm so sick of the hate. I'm so sick of the pain some of us have chosen to cause. To Ollie, Pete, Luke, Andy, Laurie, Adam, and everyone else behind the scenes, thank you. We love you. I've been lucky enough to have interactions with most of the core group, and they are all lovely guys. I'm disgusted every time I see one of you posting about what these cyberbullies are doing. My insides eat up whenever it gets mentioned, because that means it's come to a boiling point. This might be have been rambling, but my heart is heavy right now. Thank you for all you've done for us, the SWAT Nation. I promise you that the people who make these terrible comments towards you are not your real fans. They're trolls with no life who get a sick pleasure in trying to hurt others. You guys go out of your way to give us content and smiles to our faces. I swear this will be the last time that you ever uh, i swear that we will be the we will at least be there for you to lean back on support rest talk and be kind to each other uh very articulately put really well mm -hmm. said really well said. uh yeah like we obviously like uh this is something you you encounter uh, like it's something i encountered on, on what culture of course um there's it's very easy to forget that there's someone at the end of the screen, especially with the whole numbers aspect of, um, especially Twitter uh, mm. and Facebook, is that the pursuit of numbers is a little bit like trying to rack up a high score um, because the human brain is designed to uh, receive certain stimulus and uh, and some people discern achievement in different ways. And doing something that causes an impact gets those numbers up, gets those replies up, uh, that kind of can release something in you that makes you feel uh, like you're, a, you know, you have a more impact on this planet. Uh, and there is a real dark and ugly side of that. Uh, it's something that I think in our profession, we're able to kind of recognize. And like, I, I myself don't let myself read too many comments or get too emotionally invested in social media, just because I know that side of the internet exists um not everyone is uh as versed in that not everyone is kind of as lucky as to be able to compartmentalize in that way 
Uh, and all you can ask really is for people to be empathic of that and please understand the impact that your words uh, can have. Uh, yeah, it was um, really just a, uh, yeah, like you say, it's been a, a horrible week. Yeah, uh, really, really not hard. just globally, but in the wrestling world, uh, a lot of loss and just a lot of pain and anger and a lot of anger bouncing off anger. And uh, yeah, like, support wrestle talk has always, has always been the kind of the company uh watchword and yeah we definitely feel support from our from our fans um which vastly outweighs the um any any negativity i think we're very very fortunate as a as a channel yeah in that regard uh yeah so i, I i'm rambling just because it's a it's a sad situation i don't have a you know a, a definitive thing to say on it really i'll, I'll hand over to you no, no, I mean, I think that we have got an excellent fan base, like well, an absolutely outstanding fan base of, of, of fans. And you guys are all amazing and awesome. And, you know, we've seen it in live streams. There have been a couple of rotten eggs in the live streams and in comments. But I would say that the uh, the the good people that we have in this fan base vastly outweighs them. Um, and those people that are there to just be trolls and be dicks are quite quickly weeded out. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think that the Swap Nation is awesome uh personally. I, I do as well want to just like because we, we we shout them out but uh just especially on this subject i just want to shout out like a, a huge thank you to all of our moderators for all of our live streams because you got like uh, you guys are the ones who have to literally sift through looking for yeah. the the darker side of the comment section you have to go in there and actively seek out people attempting to upset other people uh so thank you so much everyone <laughs> yeah really is he does that for us we 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 love you and we hope you're okay and have the support network you need uh rlt sandwich on a sort of similar note says uh, before i get to my question i'd like to say rip to both shad gaspard and hannah kimura i'd also like to thank ollie for coming into the studio and continue to record the news uh every day during these trying times especially when it feels like each day there's a new tragedy to report on i know it can't be easy thank you for your continued efforts and remain consistently consistent for a more light-hearted question if there was a create a wrestle talk cinematic universe what pay-per-view name would you give your first movie and what wrestler would be your lead star thank you all stay safe and be kind uh, fun fact for you, RLT Sandwich. Ollie films those new segments in his living room. He hasn't gone. None of us have been to the studio since uh, since lockdown. He's doing it all from his living room, much to the chagrin of his girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With that big ten foot green screen that he decided to take home that stretches into his kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing um, uh, that's emanated from Ollie's flat. Um, and I realize this is not the aspect of the quest they wanted us to focus on, but <laughs> I, uh, so we, uh, today is Friday. This, this, this will be going out today, right? It the, will do. Yeah. yeah cool. it will do, yeah. So, uh, today is the day where over on, uh, patreon.com forward slash no rolls the latest, uh, one shot of, uh, no rolls is going to be released. Our cowboy episode, which is, uh, two hours and 15 minutes of glory. I, I, I watched it back cause I was proofing it with, uh, with Laurie, uh, best i i think personally it's the best thing we've done oh man i i loved watching it back it's so funny uh because there's like there's loads of music uh rich has done some little effects because it was easier for rich to kind of put together this time and mm. he had longer to edit it so that like the production value on it's a lot higher uh you know the fact we were all in costume i i love like your stone cold steve austin impression it's it's a joy 
point is um there's one bit and i think it got edited out i hope it didn't but maybe it did but there's a bit where um ollie's ollie's girlfriend is in the back is in the back of the shot um and she she doesn't so basically she walks into like she's like look look she's my hand she walks into frame so she's like this much into frame and then thinks right well I don't want to walk through the back of the shot. So then gets down onto the floor and crawls along the floor behind Ollie. And it's so adorable uh, because like, well, I definitely don't want to interrupt shooting, but it's walks straight into frame. And then it goes directly downwards and it just starts kind of smoking. Across the I, um, I didn't spot her until she was crawling on all fours. Like I didn't spot her until she was the other side of Ollie's chair, and I was like, "Oh, there's, there's uh, Ollie's lady partner." Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, really, really that loud. that really got me. What was the other part of the question? Oh, yeah, uh, if you were to create a Russell Talk Cinematic Universe, what pay per view name would you give to your first movie? Uh, and who would be the uh, what wrestler would you have as your lead star? Well, obviously Keith Lee is the answer there. Um, what, is, uh, what pay-per-view name would we give to the first movie? Um, Backlash, mm. probably. <laughs> so it's a pay-per-view that comes up so much. Like even before you and I were doing these magazine shows, me and Ollie's running joke was that whatever pay-per-view came after WrestleMania was called Backlash, even if it wasn't. It was like, it's probably Backlash. So yeah. it's probably Backlash just became our catchphrase for whatever the next pay-per-view coming up for WWE is. <laughs> so no. uh, it's probably Backlash. Like, well, that's the thing. Is like, do you start with the with the Iron Man, or do you start with like who the um, who the Nick Fury of that world would be? Because the Nick Fury is Triple H for me, mm. anyway. Like, he's the one that like, you can imagine like traveling the world and like recruiting all these people. I'm putting a team together. It started <laughs> with a whisper. Um, so, like, who would he like? Who would be the person? I think maybe like I think a Finn Balor would be a pretty good kind of place to start. Just like this, this kind of demon, um, and then yeah, he just he, he conquers some sort of huge kind of uh, Gallic uh, monster, and then he just uh, goes home to find Triple H in his hotel room. You know, <laughs> I'm putting a team together, the WWCU. Uh, Callum says a couple of weeks ago, I started watching The Simpsons for the first time. The first uh, time! Oh my god, you're so lucky. I would like to know when does the series start to go downhill and what's your personal favorite episode that I can look forward to? I'd also like to end this by saying rest in peace, Chad Gaspard and rest in peace, Anakamura. Uh, so yeah, Simpsons, first time watching The Simpsons. What a fun thing that must be. I'm actually yeah. very envious of that because it and I have watched like seasons one through 12 countless times. Yeah, stick stick with one as well. Like it will it you it won't quite make sense, and like the animation will be really weird, and the coloring and the composition of everything will be off. Because like I, I I'm rewatching it all at the moment as well. That's the other thing I watch when I cook. And like the first season is just like Moe's Moe's bar is just like the the walls are just like this weird faded blue kind of watercolor background. It's all so weird. Um, but I'm I'm in the middle of series five at the moment, and it's I it can't, I can't believe how good it is. Like yeah. there's so many jokes I didn't get, and um, I'm enjoying. For me, I think the thing that you're most looking forward to, depending on how, like you don't even have to like baseball, but um, the, the base Homer at bat is 
just unbelievably good. Um, it's, it's when it's um, Steve Sachs gets pulled over by the cops and he says, uh, hey, it says here you're from New York City. I heard about a guy who got killed in New York City and he never found out who did it. And Steve Sachs says, but there's hundreds of unsolved murders in New York City. You don't know where to stop talking, do you, sexy boy? Uh, perfect. I, th- I think there's sort of like an un- the unwritten rule is that Simpsons gets bad with um, the episode with um, Armin Tanzarian. Like that is what a lot of people pinpoint is that's when the Simpsons goes downhill. I really disagree with that. I think there's actually some good stuff still to be found in some really good stuff, in fact, in series 10 and 11. But I think from sort of 12, 13 onwards, that's for me when it starts to tail off a little bit. There are still like the, the handful of good episodes, but it's not the consistent quality that you would get from, say, seasons three up until nine. Like yeah. it's consistently great. And like every episode is an absolute winner. My personal favorite, though, uh, is The Last Temptation of Homer. It's the Mindy episode. Oh, um, yeah. I, I, I've, at university, I used to describe it to my friends as the airplane of Simpsons episodes. Because the great thing about Airplane is that if you don't find a joke in Airplane funny, it's okay because there's another joke 30 seconds later that you will find funny. Mm. And that's what I think is the, yeah, I think the last temptation of Homer is just like every line is just joke, 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 joke. And it's so good. It's so funny. I think um, for me, just I, because I, ne- I never, re- I wasn't, I, I watched The Simpsons, like some of it when it, when it came out and as it happened, but there were some things that I kind of missed um and i and i'm very sad that i wasn't like a full-fledged like teenage simpsons fan when the who shot mr burns stuff was happening because that is such a good episode and the fact yeah the fact there was a whole season in between part one and part two um and it was i like it was such a good payoff as well like i uh like that is a huge thing to look forward to i think just um that bart uh, not bart uh, mo um segment where he's on the lie detector machine <laughs> just perfect perfect scenes like i yeah it's such a good show uh i'm so jealous that you get to watch it fresh for the first time and, and you're will, gonna have an amazing time and i will recommend it on every podcast i ever do talking simpsons is a fantastic podcast series where they do really deep dives into every episode in chronological order they've just finished uh, recapping season one again because it's the 30th anniversary so they went back and re-watched season one now with like everything that they know from sort of like the because they've up to season 11 i think so they've gone back to like a rewatch season one with sort of everything they know now their recap of season one is absolutely fantastic so much like really good deep dive knowledge and interviews and stuff with the people that worked on the show cannot recommend it enough uh, it's also where I learned the Who Shot Mr. Burns. It was originally going to be Barney was the, uh, the original Was it really? One. And they were going to like put him in jail and he was going to be gone for a couple of like gone for all of that season and then sort of come back. But Matt Groening was the one who said, no, 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 the show is called The Simpsons. It has to be one of The Simpsons, which is why they were like, well, we can't send one of The Simpsons to jail. So spoilers for a show that aired in like 1997 or whatever it was. It was Maggie. Because that was the only way they could see themselves getting out of this situation. Ah, oh, I thought I thought that was always the plan, like taking candy from a baby. Yeah, like that whole not. thing was set up so well. Uh, why did they? Why? What was Barney's reason? Oh, because they shut they shut down Moe's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
took away the beer. Uh, Chris Gardner says, oh, I've got a lot of milk questions to get through yet. Uh, Chris Gardner, currently listening to the NXT Unstoppable review on Patreon. Thanks for the plug. And only mentioned missing crowds, which got me thinking. What are some of the notorious hot crowds other than the ECW One Night Stand shows and Money in the Bank 2011 that I can go and watch a show with a crowd that is good and loud in the right way slash most of the way through? Thanks for the continued hard work and a special thank you to Luke for responding to my email last week. I really appreciate it. Things are on the up. That's very good to hear. So yeah, a, a, a show with a hot crowd. Uh, any AEW pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like they, uh, those guys are really into that company and it's really nice to, like I was watching Revolution again just because we did the the list, the top 10 list of top 10 AEW matches and uh, go and watch it again. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, and I was just re-watching Revolution. It's like, damn damn every they're picking up on everything and just that orange cassidy uh pack match just when you know they kick each other in the shins they're just going oh, <laughs> oh. it's just oh, yeah it's the good side of wrestling that uh i would also say uh from a wwe side of things you mentioned it earlier vince versus shane from wrestlemania uh x7 like you want a hot crowd probably not the main event because the crowd aren't quite as hot as they should have been because they were super behind austin uh when they really wanted them to be super behind the rock and then austin turns heel and the crowd still sort of cheer but don't really know what to do next <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. i mean I, I don't want to boo austin but he is my favorite so i think <laughs> i will cheer but he is doing a bad thing Ah, sod it. He he won the title in Texas. We're cheering. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, Sean Dunn. Sean Dunn. Rest Talk interviews have been brilliant. Are there any plans on Golden Joe doing an interview? Uh, also, parts fun known. Um, CBW D&D is amazing. Any plans of a normal D&D quest in the future? You have a great dungeon master. It would be fun to see what you do. Um... Oh God. So my my initial reaction was I hate that. But actually the more I think about it, the idea of Ollie doing a Golden Joe interviewing character is really, really funny. Yeah. Um that would be really funny. Just get oh get Tom to interview. Ah, oh, sorry. What was the second part? I, I was literally carried away thinking about Golden Joe. Would we ever do just a straight up fantasy Dungeons and Dragons one shot adventure? Well, so uh in terms of no rolls barred like wrestling side uh we are going to put up uh the um so it's, it's coming out today on our patreon after it comes out a few hours afterwards we're going to put up a poll for the next setting uh, and uh, we're probably going to keep like the top three that almost made it and then we're going to introduce some other another three uh, settings just to kind of keep things uh, fresh and interesting uh, but one of the top three settings was a fantasy one mm. um, like that was I think the close second was Victorian uh, then I think it was um, so yeah Wild, Wild West won Victorian was very close behind then it was fantasy and then it was pirates so we're probably going to keep those three uh, but yeah like so if you want to see uh, like as do actual something close to DD in a DD setting. Go, go become a patron of over there. But uh in terms of an actual, like just a regular game with no no wrestling involved, um, possibly. But mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's always that there are, you know, maybe plans down the road for something uh, a little less wrestling, a little more gaming. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I'm so, like not don't want to put the cart before the horse. Uh, and it's certainly not while the, the world is in the state it's in but it is something that we've especially talked about off the back of no rolls barred being such a fun thing for us all to do in the office mm -hmm. 
Uh, Flev Doran, it says, hey guys, I'm back to being a Pledgehammer after a two-month hiatus due to you-know-what, uh, and I'd love to how you guys have made the best of it, especially with Quizzlemania. Love that show. I have a suggestion for the next future, sla uh, next slash future charity stream. In keeping with the tradition of sacrificing one's hairy feature, when Ollie doesn't end his defeated streak, he should shave his chest hair. The nation's goals could be different uh, ways of removal, shaving, uh, cream, waxing, uh, from least to worst in the pain scale. Uh, yes, my first message after coming back is uh, to see Ollie's hairy chest. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, I, so I, I ha like, I'm not as intimately acquainted with Ollie as you are, Luke. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, how, I, not not many people I, are. No, and it's been a it's been a while. How how hairy are we talking? Ollie is a hairy boy. He is a hairy hairy boy. Not quite. I mean, his arms are a little bit. I was about to say not like um, uh, Robin Williams level of like the hairy knuckles and stuff. But mm. he is. His arms are, and his chest certainly is. He's a very hairy boy. Well, he's like he's very two tone. Like you can sort of see on my arm that it kind of it, there's a little bit of density here, and then it just fades away as it goes up my arm. Ollie looks like he's sort of wearing like the kind of like muffler sleeves that you wear like in winter. Like he, he like he's incredibly hairy here, and then it stops, mm. and it's like he's, he's almost got like a farmer's tan, but for hair. So, but underneath it gets like yeah. It yeah, gets yeah. hairy again, does it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and his legs as well. His legs are so hairy, you cannot see his tattoo uh, that he has on his leg. He has a tattoo? Literally, he, he did the AJ Lee thing around the <laughs> office, and I did not notice a tattoo on his legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this question is from Chris. It's a fun tattoo as well. He did it himself. What's the tattoo of? Yes, that's the next <laughs> bit. Tell me that bit. It is the equation for photosynthesis. What? No, it isn't. It's what a nerd. <laughs> God, I want to just knock the papers out of his hand. Why did he, did, he do that? He did it himself as well. At, at university, they had a tattoo party where they got a tattoo gun off eBay and then all gave themselves tattoos. Um, <laughs> and that was the tattoo he chose. Oh, my Lord. Why photosynthesis? It's I don't know. Um, next question is from Chris, who says, um, if you had to book The Undertaker's last ever match, who would it be against? Uh, where would you have it take place? And what kind of match would it be? Look forward to your answer of Keith Lee in a Boneyard match. Have a great weekend, lads. Well, this is tricky because it might be something I've, I'm preparing something for. So, okay. <laughs> um, like, with with the Last Ride uh, series, uh, I think Undertaker Undertaker's retirement is pretty much on everyone's mind. So, I thought, pretty good booking video in that. So I'm not going to answer because it gives them where, where I'm going away with it. I would like to see it be somewhat a young guy that he can put over on the way out. Uh, I don't need it to be a spooky character. Like uh, I just need it to be a a young a young star is what I would like it to be. Iraqli uh, says, uh, "Will wrestlers become employees instead of independent contractors once Triple H takes over the company?" I personally don't think so. I think that a leopard never changes its spots, and in this case, the leopard is WWE. Yeah, I re yeah, I really want wrestlers to unionize. Yeah, I really, really do. Um, but I like, I don't know. I really don't like. There's so many kind of things to talk about, like what will happen when Vince goes. Um, I, I think it's I think it's the fair thing to do. Um, and but I've just I've I think people are generally kind of optimistic about where Triple H will take the company in a uh, kind of quality direction and like an artistic one uh i've i've no idea as to kind of 
Triple H's business practices. I I, I would hope that uh, they can sort of use it as a kind of turning turn the corner and and bring everyone on and provide them their full benefits and pay their travel and and you know compensate them for uh, during injury time. But yeah, do you, I'm not sure if I see it happening. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dan says, I've been hearing a lot lately uh, that wrestling has forgotten its audience. Show these days, be it WWE or any other promotion, are only produced for a nerd audience, in quotation marks, having driven away the mainstream audience by completely presenting a rather unrealistic style paired with wrestlers that do not look larger than life anymore and could be compared to any regular fit person. I've seen this statement brought forward by former wrestlers, editors of magazine, not WrestleTalk, and fans as of late. While the argument has always been there, uh, it has now been all over the place with cinematic matches being a thing. What is your take on this? I believe WWE, the running ad for the entire industry for the mainstream audience, has failed to create compelling stars due to its hokey gimmicks, failed pushes, and uncompelling story—excuse me—and uncompelling storylines. Got nearly got through that whole question there, holding that in, and it came. Did you feel it? You just I had did, it there, yeah. didn't you? I'm very sorry. That was quite disgusting. Um, but I've, <laughs> I'm already doing one edit on this show. I'm not doing another one. Um, I could swear if that would help. <laughs> I'll just say, <laughs> and then I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> "Yay! I broke him." <laughs> um, so yeah. So what do you think? Um, have w, like, so I suppose the question is, are, is wrestling only produced now for the hardcore audience? Um, I don't think it's produced by the for the hardcore audience. I think it's watched by the hardcore audience. Um, I, like especially now, uh, I, I think they should properly go studio with it and just reward the people who are tuning in. Just uh, turn it into more NXT. I, I think, I think WWE have always been for a very very long time rather sorry they've just been a bit family focused and doing kind of like variety entertainment uh and the only problem which i don't have a problem with the only problem is they're not very hugely good at certain aspects of variety entertainment namely comedy mm. uh like some sometimes they are um like i i think they in terms of telling stories like i i, I think to to say that by doing like lots of cinematic matches that they are only catering to the hardcore, I don't necessarily understand that. I think that the Boneyard match was the most mainstream friendly thing they've done in years. Really? Like, I know it's not wrestling, but it's what you, you know, if you ask a fan, like, oh, what do you expect from an Undertaker match? Most of what happened in the Boneyard. Um, I actually think they have had in some ways more mainstream appeal like i think the idea of the money in the bank match is it's i think it's more mainstream i think it's they like the, the fact that they are taking things out of the ring i don't think that's catering to the hardcore i think that is that is kind of like going like kind of caught mainstream crowds and doing a pretty good job of it uh it's for for me like where i feel like they've lost their way is just the fact that raw feels so aimless because they don't really know what they're building towards because yeah. they have a skeleton staff with a skeleton crew of wrestlers. And instead of like doing stuff like NXT, which is just like, just tightly focus, do some squash matches and just like understand who you've got for this month and just like focus on them. They're just sort of going like all over the place with uh, and, and the thing that I kind of baffles me. And, and I, I think I can understand where someone might say, Oh, they're, sort of losing it 
is when you look at like street profits versus viking raiders mm. like that kind of axe throwing pie eating renaissance fair like that for me i get nothing out of uh just because i yeah again like wwe's brand of comedy ain't my thing uh, and I, I think you can you could argue that like they're sort of losing their way there but i actually think like that in terms of like doing the best uh, in a difficult time like whether or not wwe should be going ahead is a different story but the stuff they've been doing i think actually they've produced some really great stuff yeah um we're gonna try not to rattle through some of these questions because we are running out of time here oh, uh, Alex, sorry that's okay mate uh, alex kirkman says i'm not, not blaming you at all mate uh alex kirkman says uh i really enjoy the hall of fame i enjoy the stories and i think it's a nice way to recognize old wrestlers even ones who have never main evented for example coco beware he uh, wasn't a main eventer. The Hall of Fame was probably the pinnacle of his WWE career, and no doubt he was honored by the induction. My opinion is the general consensus in WrestleTalk is that you guys think it means nothing and is a waste of time. My question is, am I right? And if so, what can be done to sway your opinions? Uh, P.S. Uh, I do think there should be a physical Hall of Fame or museum of some kind. Uh, I think when I when I say things like, because we often get a lot of questions like, who would you like to see in the Hall of Fame? And I've always said, it doesn't matter. What I mean by that is that the Hall of Fame isn't a real thing because it's just one person who has decided this person is a Hall of Fame wrestler this year. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like it's, it's not a Hall of Fame in the sense of it, it's based on actual achievement. It is just a way to recognize people. And that's very lovely and everything. But then I, at the same time, if, you, if it is just one person who makes random decisions every year, I don't think you can put a lot of stock in who actually goes in and who doesn't go in. That's always been my sort of general consensus on this. I think Warrior, you know, put it right. The WWE released a hit documentary on him, a, a hit piece on him that said that he was self-destructed, an awful person, this, that, and the other. And, you know, in fairness, at times he was a very awful person. And then a couple of years later, wanted to put him in the Hall of Fame because they wanted to build a bridge with him. So it's, you know, they were going to do the same with Bret Hart. There was going to be a documentary called The Rise and Fall of Bret Hart or The Self-Destruction of Bret Hart. And then they brought him in and put him in the Hall of Fame instead. So either you think he's a terrible person and is a as is a, a, a is dreadful, or he's Hall of Fame. Like it can't go both ways. Yeah, I think it's when it's like the Hall of Fame is used to make statements that that really emphasizes what kind of a fallacy the whole thing is. But that being said, like like I I see the other side of it, and that's that the point is like no matter what it means to us, you have to comprehend the idea of what it means. For the wrestler being inducted like because this is these are people like wrestlers really really like wrestling you know like they this is an industry that they've dedicated themselves to to the point of like keeping kayfabe putting themselves at risk um there's a real brotherhood in in the locker room um obviously like the hall of fame doesn't mean a lot to everybody hall of fame probably doesn't mean much to scott steiner but to someone like you said like to someone like coco beware it's a genuine honor uh, to be publicly recognized by your peers, to have someone say you did a good job, uh, you are part of an elite group of people who have made a difference in this industry. Whether or not you hold stock in that is sort of irrelevant when you see how happy it makes some people to who are inducted. And uh, you know, so for that reason, yeah, absolutely, um, it's it's a, it's a, it's an institution that has provided a lot of people a lot of joy, even if those people. Even if only those people are the only the people that have been introduced, inducted. I, I, have I just had a stroke? My, <laughs> my sentence really went away from me. No, but like, 
like I, I, you know, I watched the dark side of the ring thing with with um, Martha Hart saying that she never wants to see Owen go in, and I completely get it. Like, it, bless you, bless you. Uh, and so, I completely understand that the Hall of Fame is sometimes used as an olive branch that hasn't been earned, um, and it, it's a way sometimes of WWE saying it's all good between us because he's in the Hall of Fame can't hate the company if he's in the hall of fame right um it and and for that sense yeah it does have a pr purpose but you know like yeah of course it, it will mean a lot to people who are who are inducted and you never want to cheapen that by saying no. it means nothing and in the sense like in the same token jake uh the the excellence jake the snake documentary that came out a couple of years ago him getting into the hall of fame was a really big deal and that's actually a very lovely point of the documentary um so yeah, as the the you know, uh, sorry, as Alex said in the email there that it, it means a lot of people, and I, I you know I've never said that it doesn't. I just the reason why I say it means nothing is because it is just it's a PR thing, and that's fine. But I, then if it's just a PR thing, I don't think you could put a lot of debate on who should go in and who shouldn't because it's not a real Hall of Fame. Uh, Kid Gaskin says, um, Adam, what was your favorite WCPW I pay per view? Mine was Fight Back. Your promo at the start of the show was amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, I really, really liked um, No Regrets. I think that was the one where we had the rumble, uh, where Martin Kirby hit the Zoidberg elbow for the first time. Like, that was insane. Um, it's always, I mean, it's always going to be, um, what was the name of it? What was the name of the paper I wrestled at? Uh, it was son of a. Hang on, <laughs> I should. How do I not remember? It's gonna. I'm gonna kick myself. Come uh, on, mate. Sorry, mate. It was at, well. Uh, refuse to lose. Of course it was. Of course it was. Uh, refuse to lose. The first one where I wrestled Rampage. That was my favorite thing. Uh, he absolutely chopped the hell out of me. Um, but it was an, a real joy to just do some stupid heel nonsense and then get put through a table. Uh, Aaron Donnelly, which wrestlers do you think are great but maybe don't get the recognition they deserve? Personally, I think Nick Aldis doesn't get as much attention as he should. Mm, Aldis is a great job. shout. Yeah. Uh, Keith Lee doesn't get as much praise as he deserves mm -hmm. because he deserves more praise than he'll ever get because yeah. he's the best um but in terms of like unsung heroes i guess like tyson kidd is like the the kind of the the perennial answer especially now that he he can't wrestle anymore um and yeah i i, feel, I think i think jason jordan's always going to go underappreciated now uh just because you know the whole kurt angle son thing wasn't so great but he was so bloody wonderful in american alpha uh, Brandon or Brendan rather says, Hey guys, I just wanted to say, I loved the stadium stampede match. My question is, do you think it also would have worked as an elimination match? Uh, and should one of these eliminations be hangman drinking Hager under the table and pinning him while he was passed out? Cheers for the content. Much love from the swaft under sort of was an elimination match. They sort of eliminated them as they went, um, before poor old Sammy was the last man standing. So yeah, it sort of was in a way. Yeah, I mean, he he made a whole deal out of it, wasn't it? Just like like getting to his feet and saying, "I'm the last man standing, so I won." I won. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh lynn says um hey everyone hope you're all doing great this is a very interesting question i'll be curious to get your take on this because i'm not sure uh thank you so much for all the great wrestling content all year long my question isn't a wrestling question but rather a video game question unfortunately i need to give a bit of background information to ask it so i'm sorry jim apologize uh i've only enjoyed playing three games in my adult life beyond two souls until dawn and the last of us and technically one of my friends had to control uh the game since my coordination isn't there i've really been looking forward to the release of the last of us 2 so much so that i've actually been considered getting my very first console ever my question is since i don't have good enough coordination to actually play on my own what games would you recommend for those just starting out with a ps4 based on the games that i have enjoyed playing Ooh, um so it sounds like uh like story is is kind of a big deal um it's i mean i the uncharted games are phenomenal mm-hmm. uh they they do require like a fair bit of coordination that's just, that's the thing with like uh, video gaming generally does but i i think there are a couple of games which are kind of more sensory experiences which i think are fantastic you, you know what i would really start out with um there's a game called journey Mm. Uh, which is just such a beautiful uh, game, and I think like if you're kind of if your coordination's not not super there, like it's something that you could kind of almost get to grips with, especially because uh, it, it's not it's not punishing at all. It's like a beautiful exploration, and like you're going on this journey towards this 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 mountaintop, and it's surprisingly really affecting. And then depending on how that goes, like you could sort of like escalate it from there. But um, Uncharted, I would always recommend god i love that series like i'm i'm not like i'm not the biggest sandbox player in the world but like um not sorry i i love sandboxes i'm not the hugest kind of like linear storytelling person but like naughty dog i love what they do obviously bad stuff has been happening uh recently so uh, i don't want to comment on like their business practices but their games i i really really like and anything by rockstar so grand theft auto or uh red dead uh is uh, especially really really good because that is a real game that you can take at your own pace and just explore yeah. you don't like gunfire and like stuff like that like there's so much in red dead redemption 2 that even if you you can go most of the game like my like tom our dm in no rolls bard he has had red dead redemption for the better part of a year and has got part like to chapter two because he doesn't like doing the story missions he likes going out into the woods hunting crafting and being at one with nature <laughs> uh julian diaz said uh, a baby face turning heel and for uh a baby face turning and forming a heel faction steady getting close to the title picture and eventually winning the championship or a face turning uh the champion turning in the championship match winning that championship via interference and forming a heel faction through that which is your preferred option i well uh, for me i like a heel turn that comes coupled with a title win it's just it's just great uh dan like i really enjoyed daniel bryan's it came at a weird time because he was just about to race to face brock Lesnar. but um yeah well it's just like it's make a story beat matter right make a story make a choice have the most consequences always try and do the most interesting thing and for me someone corrupting themselves in order to get something tangible rather than out of frustration is always going to be um more interesting uh, Abner have after a year of AEW, do you think they've dropped the real sports feel? Uh, stadium Stampede match was fun. Orange Cassidy is awesome, but they're not real sports. Instead of trying to be, instead of trying to be an alternative to WWE, are they just being the same? Which is not bad. Um, which is not bad, but it is not different as well. What do you think, Luke? 
Um, I mean, I still don't think they have. I mean, I, me and Ollie talked about this yesterday on the AEW review that I do think that, that since the uh, the lockdown version of the show, this is the no fans, I do feel like the ranking system has sort of gone out the window slightly. Uh, but I still think they are trying to emulate that. I think there is just, they also have various different parts to it, like an Orange Cassidy sort of thing. But Cassidy still works in their sports orientated style. He's just very different to everyone else. Um, and yeah, the stadium stampede match did feel just very much like, hey, guys, you know, we're in this situation, but let's just have a little bit of fun. Um, I it'd be, I think once they get back to the fans in attendance, maybe we'll see sort of the return of the sports-based version of AEW. That's what I think. Uh, Marcus Campbell said, um, who will be the, uh, will we see the SmackDown hacker or is it just like Emelina? Uh, I just, there's no there's no obvious answer here because yeah. you know we did we did find out what was in eric rowan's cage eventually for all, for all the good that did you know we did see emelina like i i reckon we'll find out who it is it's whether or not that leads to anything is a different question last few here a job of jj my question's about mjf i kind of feel like he's being lost in the shuffle i wouldn't tease deception where or dissension with wardlow he's undefeated but yet to receive a title shot and the feud with cody i don't think is over my question is where do you go with mjf i don't think you could say that he's being lost in the shuffle because he's still very much a prominent part of tv um so but i don't know where you would go with him next i'm i'm, I'm very excited because i you know him being eliminated from the battle royale on on wednesday and he kind of cut that promo you know he is ranked number one and that's the storyline they were telling at the start of that match it's the first time he's been ranked number one um and which is kind of counter to me saying that they're kind of thrown all out the window just feels like they are in the tag division um so yeah i'll, I'll be curious to see where they what they do do with him next I'm not sure where you go with it though i will i want to see him be the next world champion I mm. think he's. I think he's genuinely the best thing going in um, in AEW. Uh, it, like in terms, like I, I think Jericho is fantastic, but in terms of like heels who can properly go uh, and who just have that connection with the crowd, I understand that they're not they're not going to do it until they get fans back. But I I want him to be the next champ. I think he's bloody brilliant he is great as uh, andamania my best friend slash co-worker and i were talking this week about wrestling and he reminded me that the list of jericho gimmick was three years ago it somehow feels like it was way longer than that what gimmicks and moments feel like they are much more recent than they actually are for me it would be the list of jericho as mentioned mm. <laughs> oh yeah because everything feels like it was forever ago at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like like Bray Wyatt feels like it was five years ago when in yeah. fact it was. When was the last time we saw Bray? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, probably that with the yeah. the leader of world stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, like time has moved in such a weird space. Like someone remind someone posted recently that it, we've just passed the one year anniversary of Theresa May stepping down as prime minister. And I'll be honest, that feels have like we? Was, yeah, I'll be honest, like that feels like it was three years ago, not just one. Yeah. Yeah, Bray White's a really good answer though. Uh, and very lastly from Nick, he said, I've noticed after watching Double or Nothing that it was a very uh, face-heavy pay-per-view as far as wins go, with the exception of MJF and Brian Cage, depending on whether he's portrayed as a heel with Taz as manager, uh, if you want to see him in that role, the faces were the ones that won. I was surprised by a lot of the victories, including Cody, the Elite, and Hikaru Shida. In your opinion, do you think this was to make the fans happy uh, during the Steve Carino pandemic and tributes to the recently deceased wrestling stars, or do you think a lot of the faces winning was part of the continued story? lines uh, from what i could tell melter about this in the observer Ashida was always planned to win 
um, even before all of the, you know, uh, the the uh, Hanukkah Mora stuff. And I think the same with Cody. I think Cody was always set to be the the face of the TNT Championship uh, and the elites possibly uh, winning over. So I I think AEW always, you know, when you kind of listen to interviews with them, they book very uh, far ahead of themselves. So yeah, so I can certainly see that being the case that they are just yeah way ahead of themselves, and that was always the plan. Isn't Double or Nothing sort of their WrestleMania as well? Like it's the first anniversary. All Out kind of is in a way. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Before I get into your weekend plans, uh, I had this email in from uh, someone called Andy Mack who said, uh, Luke Adam was listening to the magazine show and Luke mentioned his age. I googled what age Adam was and I found this page. And it's a page that is called trendandcelebsnow.com forward slash Adam Blompier net worth. Oh, so, God. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Let's find out a bit about you. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Um, Adam Blompier is best known as a comedian, writer and performer known for a member of the sketch comedy group Beta Males and a writer for WhatCulture.com. He also gained fame as a writer for the short film Eugene. He was born oh, yeah. August 24th, 1987 in England. House MD star Carolina Wydra appears in his viral short film Eugene, correct? Correct. All correct so far. Um, in November 2012, he joined social media uh, with Twitter, posting his debut tweet, If I'm honest, my heart's not really in this. That is also true. Um, on trendsandcelebrities.com, uh, he is one of the successful comedians. That's a direct quote. Um, I am one of the successful comedians. <laughs> he has ranked on the list of the most famous people who were born on August 24th, 1987. Am I more famous? Oh, uh, wait, <laughs> on my actual... That one year birthday. Because yeah, I say yeah. I'm not more famous than Vince. Vince is no. the, definitely the most famous person born the 24th of August. And he is one of the richest comedian, no plural, um, <laughs> Am who, I? Was, who was born in England. Yeah, where are you looking this? Um, not a yeah, lot screw of. Screw you, John Bishop. <laughs> so we've got, you know, they've got your first name, your profession, your age, your birth sign, your birth date. Don't have your height and weight, unfortunately, or your body measurements. Um, don't have your eye hair color um, or your family and relatives. But here's the important bit Adam Blompier net worth. According to Trending Celebs Now, Adam Blompier's estimated net worth, salary, income, cars, lifestyle, and much more details have been updated below. So let's see how rich he is. Cars, Estimate, plural. Estimated net worth in 2019, 1 million to 5 million. <laughs> brackets, approximately. <laughs> oh my God. And your previous net worth in 2018 was a hundred thousand to one million so it really went up in that uh in that one year period yeah it would i'm one of the successful comedians nothing no, pays no, no, like no. sketch comedy you're one of the successful comedian <laughs> no plural there so obviously like um you know I'll, in august i'll be working with wrestle talk for six months so i guess we could talk about my salary uh, and like I, I this is what i'm this is what i'm evidently valued at <laughs> let's let's see if we can get me there no i i'm not a millionaire um i no 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 Rest, wrestling youtubers uh tend not to be millionaires <laughs> um what culture? People who owned what culture were millionaires, but uh, that didn't tr quite trickle down to me. God bless. Uh, I, I apparently um, 
there was so one of the things that we were talking about uh like me and kenny got off to a rocky start in in what culture mostly because the bosses told kenny that i didn't want to work with them which wasn't true <laughs> it's very interesting you know like you know like how vince likes to sow seeds of paranoia in the staff because it really just it aids morale and really gets everyone working their working their hardest um but like <laughs> just like kenny at one point i don't know who he found it out from but found out i was like my salary at what culture and it was it was like almost double <laughs> what it actually was and he was apparently just going around just like why is he why is he getting this this much this is insane and like apparently like everyone who heard it was like what he's getting that but and it's like no no <laughs> just... so thank you thank you for that <laughs> luke um <laughs> brings back lovely lovely memories from olden times and yeah no i'm i'm not i'm not a millionaire sorry to sorry to to quell the dreams of those who want to grow up to to write lists on youtube for <laughs> the money it's not where it is i do uh, the job i like it not because it pays a million pounds uh, this comes in from Josephine, who says, Hi, Luke. I just thought I'd let you know the true meaning of the word simp, because this came up on Quizlemania last week, I think it was. Oh, great. Uh, a simp is a male who don't do... Uh, try that again. A simp is a male who donates money to e-girls on Twitch. E-girls are greatly looked down upon, greatly being uh, bolded there by the gaming community because they are not real gamers. They just exploit the platform to make easy money by wearing small skimpy clothing and flirting with their male viewers, the kind that spend a lot of time in their mother's basements to get more donations. Uh, they're also known as Twitch thoughts. Most of them uh, have come from what's called an OnlyFans. Most of them have come from what's called an OnlyFans, a site blocked by, blocked by paywall where they sell their nudes. Uh, so when an ego gets called out, the men who defend them are labeled as a simp. Being a simp is a bad thing because any man with dignity or self-respect would not want to watch them be terrible at games. They don't uh, know or donate money to her just to get them to talk back to you. It was a cool new word to say, so a lot of people misused it and the real meaning of it gets lost. But it originally started in the gaming community, as most awful things do, to stop... Uh, that was my editorial there. Yeah, uh, I got that bit. Uh, to stop people from sticking up for those manipulating egos. I heard on Quizlemania the other night that you didn't know what it mean. It definitely does not mean defending or respecting women. Hopefully you've been enlightened. Obligatory reminder to keep up the great and consistent work. Goodbye. What do you think a thought is, Luke? I have no idea, mate. Can you help me <laughs> on that one? Because <laughs> I just, I, I saw your brow furrow when you said <laughs> thought. Um, thought stands for that hoe over there. Oh, lovely stuff. God, the internet is a terrible place. Isn't it? Um, isn't it just? Um, so, on to bright things. Have you got any plans for the weekend? Have I got any plans for the weekend? So, I've got this... Uh... <laughs> uh, sorry, my uh, my partner is a lot more uh, internet literate than I am. Uh, and so, literally, just before I told you, uh, my partner sent me a message on WhatsApp saying, uh, thought means that hoe over there. Like, <laughs> Thank you, uh, because I believe it was uh, my partner who told me. Because uh, I'm, 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 I'm a bit behind the bit behind the pace as well. But um, weekend plans. Um, got a big shop coming. Fridge is almost oh, empty, ooh, so that'll lovely. be fun. Um, may, maybe play some uh, games on tabletop simulator. Oh, lovely! And and that's it. 
yeah and that's, that's the whole yeah. that's the whole thing i'm actually reading a really fun book at the moment so i want to i want to see if i could finish that off it's a kind of history of board games like it's kind of like the hundred most important board games and stuff it's like the history of board games and like which board games are most uh impactful and like doing deep dives into kind of old historical board games like the royal game of ur or senate or nine men's morris and all these weird games that like conquered the world but like are lost to time it's really mm. cool uh what cool. about you uh i might do some painting uh around the house uh so some house tasks gotta mow the lawn i've got a really boring weekend planned uh although i am doing a murder mystery tomorrow over zoom Ooh. Um, which i think will be fun um so yeah so uh yeah pretty much that's about it to be honest um not a great deal <laughs> So, but, you know, we, we, we're just wasting our YouTube millions stuck at home. <laughs> no, if anything, I'm actually just, I'm generating more of the millions um, because I'm not spending on anything. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's leave it there. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the SmackDown review with Andy and Pete, um, who, for the record, I do not think is cheating at Quizzlemania. A few people have uh, sort of taken my comments a little bit too hard. I don't think he is. Um, Pete, Pete's definitely not. Andy but, is, though. <laughs> but uh, no, he's not. Anyway, that is all we've got time for on this show. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.